welcome to the In Systems We Trust podcast with Mark E. Murray. You're listening to season two. In Systems We Trust dives into all things systems and processes and interviews the professionals who are using them to change the landscape of their organizations every day. This podcast is fueled by Ditto, a team that is on a mission to eliminate team burnout by implementing systems and processes that streamline your business's growth. Are you ready for more clarity? Here we go. Welcome back to another episode of In Systems We Trust. My name is Marquis and I am your host. Uh, Welcome to season two. Hope you've been enjoying the season so far and the guests and topics that we have been covering. I'm really excited today because we are talking with Jofia of My Processes, a consultancy that helps busy entrepreneurs and remote teams to automate and outsource their time-consuming tasks without sacrificing their profits. As an operational outsourcing manager, she maps out processes to spot tasks for automation and outsourcing, and also handles the entire process with backup solutions and training on how to make outsourcing safe and affordable. Jofia, welcome to the show today. Thank you, Marky. Thank you so much for having me in the show. You're very welcome. I appreciate you taking the time out to, to, to connect. So I'd love if you can just start us off by just explaining what is my processes? What do you do? Um, what is, you know, an operational, you know, outsourcing manager? And, you know, what does that look like in your in your world? You know, I like to refer to my processes as a freedom project. It's a freedom project for my clients and for the teams I am working with. Uh, because I believe in the freedom of work. So you should be able to work wherever and whenever you want. And work should not overwhelm you, overwhelm your private life, should not uh, prevent you from doing what you enjoy to do. And even if you are a business owner, especially if you are a business owner, you need to have the time to, to relax, to recharge your batteries and to think about maybe the future of your business and not just doing the day-to-day firefighting. So I try to give this freedom freedom lifestyle for my clients, uh, busy entrepreneurs, remote teams to, to come to me for help. And also I like to give this kind of freedom for, for the freelancers and uh, other entrepreneurs who help in certain processes because we also allow them uh, to have the freedom of working wherever and whenever they want. That's beautiful. Yeah, that's actually one of our core values at Ditto is freedom without obligation, right? So doing the things that you want to do, living and creating that lifestyle that you actually, you know, want to live. What does the freedom lifestyle look like for you? How would you define that? Oh, I never actually thought about what does the freedom lifestyle look. It's just, I just enjoy my day-to-day life. So I don't wake up from an alarm clock. I wake up whenever I want to. And I can be very flexible on my meetings. So, for example, it's always a mutual understanding when we want to have a meeting. It's not like that a set time or whatever. It's just very flexible. I can go out in the afternoon or I can stay and, and work. If I am in the flow, if I feel like that I can be very productive today, then it's okay to work. And if I feel like that I, I need to charge my own batteries, then I just, you know, go out and enjoy something. I mentioned you earlier that I'm a digital nomad. I try to travel, whatever it means still uh, during the COVID era, I still tr- uh, try to change my location at least uh, two or three, uh, after two or three months, I find it very inspiring to be in another location. So that also means a very important freedom to me that I don't have to be stuck in an office, but I can really go wherever I, I feel like I, feel, I am more inspired to work. 
That's perfect. And I think yeah, after the events of the last you know year and a half, couple of years now, you know, a lot of people are realizing that they can they can live a similar lifestyle and work where they want to and, you know, live this life of freedom, which is really, you know, um, so encouraging to a lot of folks. Um, how did you get your start? Right. There's typically this origin story where, you know, people like you and me, we love process. We love improving, you know, how things are done. We look at a problem. We want to fix it. What did that look like for you in the early days? How did you get my process started and what really led you to the path where you're at right now? You know, it was a really long path and I don't want to tell every details, but I started as a historian actually. So I didn't have in the beginning any economical or business background. And after finishing my history studies, I decided that I want to know more about the business. Uh, so I went to a business school and in the end I became, you will not believe it, a tax expert. <laughs> which is crazy. I never expected myself to be a tax expert. And I worked for quite a while, I think more than five years, uh, maybe six years as a tax expert. And uh, I worked for an awesome company. It was an amazing experience to work with them in taxation. Uh, but they grew really, really big and they had a huge influx of clients and it just became very hard to handle uh, all those new clients while we were still uh, trying to solve already existing problems. And... Uh, and yeah, we started to think about how it could be improved and we started to work on processes. And it just ended up that I became the person who is solely responsible. Only, I was only responsible for processes and not doing any more any taxation related work, which was, a, which was a big change, of course, but which was also very, very inspiring and gave me the opportunity to gain on-hand experience with a company, which is, uh, I would say, medium size. Uh, and then I decided to start my freelancing career and help other businesses because I figured out that this problem is not unique. Actually, every company is struggling either during on their whole life cycle or in certain stage of their uh, business life with similar problems. So, uh, so there are clients who are coming in who want your awesome services, but the more clients are coming in, the harder to provide those awesome services. Therefore, you need process to be able to not just to give yourself this service, but also to be able to uh, make sure that your new hirees, new colleagues are also up to speed very, very quickly when they come to your company and start working together with you. So, so yeah, I started my freelancing career and uh, I had uh, quite a few clients uh, coming in with, uh, with these services. So checking their processes and looking at their process inventory. I really like to look at process inventory. So like looking, okay, guys, what you are actually doing. So because sometimes when you are doing just this day-to-day -day work, you don't really think about what you are actually doing. Uh, think about it from your client's perspective. How is the client's life cycle in your business and how do you cover with processes, this client life cycle? And even for companies who never thought about processes, there are processes, it's just not documented. It's just not like that everyone is doing this, uh, everyone is doing the process on the way it's supposed to be, but rather everyone is doing it how they think it's the best. And then it ends up to be like crossing each other and duplicating work and not covering something. So uh, from not doing something to doing it more than one time, the scale is very big. And if your processes are not documented, agreed and trained, then you can really lose either time or money or reputation. So, so much thing is on the risk if your processes are not in place. That's really, really well said. Where does the client life cycle begin for you, right? You, you touched on, you know, onboarding really quickly there. There's the deliverables we create for our clients. Is it in the marketing? Like I know you have a YouTube channel, 
right? That has quite a few, you know, followers on it. Where does that life cycle start for you? And then how do you break that down and map it out for your, for your customers? I don't really do uh, classical marketing. So I think it's word of mouth how I get clients in most cases. And certainly the YouTube channel helps though. It really creates trust. And, and yeah, so the onboarding starts with more like honest conversation. Uh, how is the situation right now at your company? And usually I start with a little, little work project of like two weeks, three weeks, depending on the size of the company, depending on the availability of the uh, company CEO and also the colleagues I will have to talk about to see like, hey, do you have an inventory? What are you guys doing? What's going on? What is already documented? What not? What are the sensible points. And after this little work together, I can, I can uh, figure out how much work will it cost to me to fix things, what needs to be fixed, because sometimes it turns out that what we thought in the beginning going to be a problem is not the actual problem. There's something mm. completely different we will have to work on. So we can have after this, uh, I like to call it diagnostic phase, we can yeah. have a plan, a time frame on what we're going to do and how we're going to uh, fix things. And yeah. And then we can look at the solution. Sometimes it's just documenting. So sometimes it's just looking at the processes, documenting them. I have to save time that uh, the colleagues don't have to write each and everything down with print screens and whatsoever. Usually they work in videos and our assistants, visual assistants make sure that they do the documentation behind. We create mm. some trainings which are crucial. So it means that if you have a huge influx of clients, and you want to hire new people to help you instantly, then you do, will not have to figure out or come up with a training plan now when you are the most busy, but you have it already ready. And it's just plug and play and you can really train the new colleagues. Um, and sometimes we come up with the idea that, okay, you can actually save a lot of time and even money uh, by outsourcing. So then we set up the outsourced process as well, which I also like to handle. I don't mm -hmm. like to leave my clients on there you know it's not just like a talk that what should be done and then I disappear in the background no I'm always yeah. there and I make sure that the things what we agreed on are actually happening so uh, they are not lost in just I don't want people you know uh, consulting can be very risky when somebody's paying for consulting they can just get a nice report or maybe some nice instructions which sounds good in a PowerPoint but it's actually not working and then what's the use of play, paying hundreds or even thousands of dollars of the consulting if it's not actually happening and also for me it's very important to see that what I do have results and it makes people yeah. life easier. My other approach or my main approach when we are already working together is that I like to be the person to whom people can come to complain. I am very curious. What are okay. you as an employee of this company suffering from? What are your problems? Uh, what makes your job hard? What makes you waste your time? What frustrates you? Because all these things are actually symptoms of processes going wrong or not being executed in the right manner or not having at all. Uh, so these, uh, these complaints are very positive uh, in, my, in my opinion and can help. And also the issues. So if there is a problem, if something is going wrong, I really like to be an escalation point. I really like to be involved in the company life in an extent that I can hear if something goes wrong because that's also a symptom of a wrong process. I want to have processes which are bulletproof. So when we are investigating an issue, it's not like we are looking for a scapegoat. It's more like that we want to make sure that this mistake never happens again and the process is fixed. So people are... So for people, it's going to be impossible to make a mistake. Of course, there is never a 100% process which is 
fully bulletproof, so that's why we have to continuously work on the efficiency of those. Oh, wow. I'm really glad we connected. Um, you're, you're providing a lot of really good information here, and I have so many questions. Um, just really quickly, um, on your last point there, where you're you know, trying to make sure that these things never happen again, are you working with your team and doing you know, formalized retrospectives at the end of a project or an implementation? Are you documenting lessons learned? How are you capturing that information and like, applying that to future projects? If there is already a process, an existing process going wrong, then it's usually quite simple. We have a talk with the team and we include this missing information in the process. So if uh, the okay. communication with the client went wrong at that point, then probably we have to improve our process at that point and we just add what we have agreed on. It's usually all those parties who are working on the process are involved, so they are informed. Uh, if there is no process on the thing, so if something is going wrong because there was no agreement what we need to do in such a case, then hey, let's go and create and document the process and even create a training that later on the whole company is aware that this particular task needs to be done in that way. And that's okay. a good way. And then when the next mistake is happening, then of course we are <laughs> updating it and making it sure never happens. I really like to think in advance. I really try to put, uh, get my crystal ball and look in the future when I am designing a process, working together and process to see like what can be the potential issue coming up with this mm. process. But unfortunately, my crystal ball is not always working perfectly. Then otherwise I would have another business in astrology, I guess. Okay. Uh, yeah. So yeah, there are mistakes, but we have to fix, but uh, we try to prevent them by thinking, uh, thinking for the future and thinking for possible threats. Okay. And you've mentioned the training a couple of times now. Is that live training? Or are you creating video training for these teams? Both, actually. Okay. I just had the pleasure, first time since COVID, to give a live, an actual live training to people. It was okay. a little bit scary. I literally went in, to their uh, in team person, event. In person, you mean? Yes, okay. in person. It was incredible. I went to their training, oh, wow. their uh, company weekend. It was in a hotel, and we met together in a meeting room. Do you remember those things? Like having a meeting room, <laughs> incredible. <laughs> once, once upon so, a time, yeah. Yeah, it was really fun to do it again and meet uh, people personally. But yes, usually it's a live video training at first, but we always record it. So we make sure that, okay, maybe your team is five people and those five people are there on the training when we talk about the email etiquette and email guidelines of your company, for example. That's, I think, an important process. So when we talk about it, those five people are there in the call. We record it. Next time when you hire the sixth team member of your uh, company, then the sixth team member can just watch this video training. Okay, amazing. I'd love to know more about your clients, like what, what kind of clients you serve. And when you connect with them, I'm curious to know what is the most common, what are the most common types of issues that you see when it comes to process? I, I'm, obviously, the obvious ones are they don't have any processes, right? They're not, they're not following any. Um, they're outdated, right? There isn't a clear direction or understanding of project workflows or who's responsible for what. But what do you see when you go into these companies as the biggest opportunities for, for growth and improvement? Yeah, uh, the biggest issue is usually like not being aware that this is an important topic that needs to be talked about and people are just doing their day-to-day -day struggles. Mm -hmm. uh, and of course, they don't have time for it. So usually the request coming from the management that, hey, we need processes, please document what you are doing, feels a little bit awkward because then 
I'm already struggling with my workload, so how am I supposed to do it again? So that's where we step in and yeah. we're trying to have that, okay, just video record when you are doing it and just talk into your microphone because we're going to use this material to produce a process for you. So it's not like that you have to do the print screens. That's usually the biggest struggle, especially with uh, teams who are already overwhelmed by by the workload. So in terms of the types of the clients I'm working with, I guess just because I am doing, I'm not doing the proper marketing, but it's more like a, uh, the 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 word spreading around. I have various kind of companies as my clients. I have company which has like 50 employees, and I work with uh, solopreneurs as well. So it's it's really really varies, and also the industry varies, which I don't mind. I think processes are equally important in every industry, and it just makes me a bit of a thrill to know get to know new industries. It just makes me more inspired. But the process is essentially work on the same logic. I wouldn't dare to say they are the same. They are not. They are not the same between the most similar companies either. They can be different, but the logic behind the way of thinking is, is something very, um, that is a core of it, which, which, you can, uh, which you can use, I would say, every time. Yeah. Yeah. Well said. Um, so w when we're meeting with, with, with clients or, you know, potential clients, we, we have our process. And so the deep dive is the first step in the process. It takes about four to six weeks and we uncover, you know, all the different processes and, you know, where the bottlenecks are. There's a series of interviews. And once we've established that, we put together a, a report and then we get to implementing these changes. We've received feedback from the customer, all of those things. And so what often will happen is they're they're in need right they come to you because they need to improve these processes they're eager to do so they're excited to do so and we say hold on let's slow down do you ever have it does it ever come up where you know the customer wants to move a little bit faster they want to get to implementing some of those things maybe establish what some low-hanging fruit maybe do you work in you know more of an agile mindset are you looking at like a waterfall approach when it comes to working like how do you you know really make sure you capture everything and deliver on your process and stay true to what you know as well i love that you said that your deep dive lasts four mm -hmm. six weeks because i just said yeah. that my diagnostics period diagnostics period supposed to last two three weeks which mm -hmm. never happened. <laughs> I mean, it's always yeah. longer, so maybe I am yeah. not uh, realistic enough with this time frame. So yeah, I agree. The beginning is is uh, is certainly longer, but I'm all about going for the low hanging fruit. Actually, I think the death okay. of business is not taking action, even if you are taking the wrong action. Mm. But as long as you are stepping always one step ahead and going, I think the business is going too. So I don't necessarily make the client slow down per se. However, I am aware that, uh, that not everything can be done immediately. I think the most important point which always needs to take care of is, is more psychological. So if you really rush into changes which does not align with the expectation of your team, so you, you have to have your team behind you when you, uh, when you are rolling out a decision, rolling out a process or solving a low-hanging fruit. If you are just forcing things, it's, it's usually not not turning out in the best. So then I would suggest to slow down and rather have your team on board and then discuss with them and maybe have, a, uh, have an agreement on what, what would be that actually helps them. 
Okay. And how, how do your clients differ? Because obviously working with, you know, larger teams, you know, remote teams, as you, as you put it, is, is different than working with an entrepreneur or a solopreneur. So does your process change depending on the size of the organization or are you taking a similar approach each time? In one way, it's easier to work with a solopreneur because then when we are talking about interviews, it's easier, of course, not interviewing 10 people, only one and talking with them and being a little bit more connected, uh, personally connected. Sometimes it's even like we we are in in, uh, touch in WhatsApp, so we can just uh, immediately discuss a few things which are necessary. So in one way, it's easier and the other way, it's harder to, to come up with backups. So how do you give a backup for a solopreneur? <laughs> it's kind yeah. of a question. But usually when solopreneurs come to me, it's, it's a different story. Usually they come because they, they have an idea what do they want to outsource. So they come because, hey, I'm getting crazy from my emails. Please help me. Or that, that, that's what I, when I say slow down, because then they say that, hey, let's just hire someone to handle my emails. Yes, okay. <laughs> let's step right. two steps back and... Uh, do it in a different way, but outsourcing video creation, for example, that's also for bigger companies. So these kind of things, what we can outsource, then then that's a different story. Then I don't have to look necessarily, I'm not expected to look at all the processes, but mostly just taking care of the part, which is which is the outsourcing, what, what they asked me to do. Hey everyone, it's me, Marquis. I just wanted to take a minute to tell you a bit more about Ditto. If you've been listening to In Systems We Trust for a while, you've heard firsthand accounts of how systems and workflows change the landscape of work for businesses and leaders across the globe. Ever felt like there just aren't enough hours in the day? Is your startup starting to grow and scale and you're wondering how your systems will scale with it? Maybe you're part of a widespread multi-level corporation that needs to update and overhaul its standard operating procedures. Well, if you can relate, Ditto can help. Eliminate team burnout, keep your best talent, and have a clear system in place to help you and your business achieve your goals. Visit thinkditto.com to learn more. Can you talk more about that, the actual outsourcing? What does that look like? And so um, love to understand, I guess, what the structure of your consultancy looks like. Um, do you have a small team you work with? Is it a team of contractors? How is the outsourcing happening? And how do you maintain that trust you've established with the customer. I know you said earlier, you will stay in the background, you'll check in, things like that. So how, how does that whole process of outsourcing work? Mm-hmm. So I have partners, I would say. It's not like okay. uh, contractors. Yes, contractors, but I like to think of them as partners. Okay. And, okay, so outsourcing is also a process. You are out, so people try to outsource things which gives them pain and they go to Upwork or Fever and quickly hire someone, which can turn out to be awesome. So I, I'm not in any way against Upwork or Fever, but mm. it can turn out very bad. Not a good quality uh, freelancer disappearing or just not understanding what you want. Or So all these communication things, if you are outsourcing just random tasks and not a process, then you will get random results and not uh, and not reliable, consistent results. So this is why I'm in the background and I say, hey, let's just not go right now on Upwork. Let's just see what is the actual process you want to outsource. We mentioned email outsourcing. They usually just want to give away their password and you know, get the monkey out of their shoulder. Okay, so, and then I say that you imagine that you have a bunch of uh, crap in your table and you take this bunch of crap and give it to someone who has absolutely no clue about this crap. Imagine that's even a bigger, bigger issue for this new person. So first you have to clean up your own desk and see what are the spams, what are the emails usually you get. 
Um, why do you get so many emails? Do you really have to get all of this? So there are a lot of things uh, which can be uh, which can be uh, checked. So for example, I met uh, business owners who have all the accounting related uh, things in their direct mailbox. However, they had an accountant. So like, what? Why does it make sense to look at each and everything? Mm -hmm. uh, so all these things to be checked, and then we can talk about how we're gonna outsource it. And yes, I have partners. I have. I've worked with freelancers. I work with, uh, I think, a very uh, broad network of trusted freelancers and also with second offices in different parts of the world. So it's, it's a network which I, which I like to rely on. That sounds incredible. So how far does your network extend? I mean, we have customers sometimes who we are, you know, helping them create, you know, a financial model or a marketing process to improve how they're doing their internal marketing. I mean, as a consultancy, Ditto works with the systems, the processes, the workflows. And there are things, you know, not out of our out of our depth, but we wouldn't call ourselves experts in those cases. So we would bring in a partner for that. So how extensive is your network and where would you kind of draw the line and say, no, I won't do that. You should hire for that or you should find that person on your own. Mm -hmm. I don't like to interfere in local accounting. I think this is okay. something, if you have an established company, it's better to have a local accountant with whom you can be in trust and, and in touch. Mm -hmm. I can help with financial things. Of course, I have financial background, so that's not an issue. Of course, so for example, things I've said no were like medical related. It's a little bit more uh, more focused. And also there can be languages which, which I... So it's very easy to do things in English. And of course mm -hmm. we do, but sometimes we do struggle with, with other language expectations. And for example, if you need help in French or German, then usually it, it, uh, it costs much more than uh, getting help in English. But it's not, it doesn't mean that I necessarily say no to it, but uh, there is a line of, of the language barrier, of course. Not sure how, does it, how is it in your business? How is it in our business with... Do you have all the similar issues like regarding languages, for example, these barriers? Um, some of the times, I mean, our, our team is spread out across, you know, the globe. So we have teams in South America, um, we have teams in North America. And so we're able to kind of spread out and we haven't really come ac across that just yet, um, mm -hmm. thankfully. But we, yeah, we understand how that can, you know, hinder, you know, growth and, you know, things for, from time to time. Um, so that makes sense. But it, it's always nice to, I mean, and this is just part of process improvement, but like, what do you do? Who do you serve? You know, who do you not serve? Right? Like who, who won't you work with? And, you know, establish that as part of your process as well. Because I think that's super important. So you're not overextending yourself or promising more uh -huh. than you can actually deliver on and, you know, um, things like that. Yeah. One of my hard barriers, if that's your question, is like a team around 50 people. So I think if yeah. a company is bigger than 50 or going close to 100 employees, then I think it would be a quiet sort of impossible to uh, to remote improve the processes because we need all these interviews and everything. So I think it would consume mm. it too much of my time and I couldn't focus on other clients if, if I had to deal with such a big client. Yeah. What's the part of your process that you enjoy the most, would you say? Hmm, that's an interesting question. When, when something is working, so when, when I see the relief mm. that I have spent so much time on this and now it's so much better and I have more time. So like creating a freedom for others, that's, that's, that's a good feeling, I would say. 
Yeah, I love it. I, I feel like that's never done, and it's just so satisfying each time. I mean, to to have a problem, to have something that's not working, look at it, and you know, PLC different approaches, and you know, just rack your brain on what the best you know workflow looks like, and then have something that actually works. It's the most rewarding feeling yeah. in the world. So yeah, I definitely agree with you there. I, I'm curious as to what tools you use along the way. Right. You've talked about, you know, mapping the processes. You've talked about videos and transcribing or like taking that information. So what tools do you use? How are you managing your, your projects? Um, I'd love to dig into that a little bit more. Mm-hmm. I have to be re- very flexible because some of my clients are using advanced project management tools. Sometimes I need to learn about them a little bit. Uh, some of my clients are okay with Trello, for example, or not using any project management tool at all. So mm-hmm. I'm kind of like, hey. Okay, uh, let's have at least something. Sometimes we work in Excel uh, or, or Word documents. So yeah, if I if you want me to recommend tools, then I would definitely say I like Loom, uh, which is the mm-hmm. video recording, and it's super easy and very handy, and makes it very easy to share the video because usually that's the hardest part because it's quite easy to record your screen, but then how do you send those big files documents to someone? So that's cool. Yeah. I like Loom. I like AOA. It's a nice, nice way to uh, map processes. It's very, uh, very intuitive and uh, very colorful. I would say. What's so that I like called? Sorry. AOA. Oh, how do you spell um, that? A for alpha. Y. O and A. Interesting. I'm going to take a look at that. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. Keep going. Okay, yeah, so AI is an amazing tool I like to use. Oh, and yeah, of course, project management tools, uh, Trello, ClickUp comes to mind uh, quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, anything you need for, uh, for communication, uh, uh, chatting, and uh, so direct messages and calls, of course. Yeah, but you I mentioned like WhatsApp, and I'm sure you're on Slack and all those different channels. Yeah, okay. Slack, Teams, Zoom. But, and also, I, I have to be flexible, so... If there is a team who is using uh, Slack, then then we do Slack. If the other team uses only uh, Google Meet, then it's Google Meet. So for me, it, it doesn't really matter. Uh, okay. If they, if they have already their own system, then I can just jump in. So you're adapting to how your customers work, which makes sense. Yeah, and yeah, then you're sure. using I mean, tools. that makes what? so much more sense. I want them to be comfortable, especially their team members. I want their team members to be comfortable with me and not having to, you know, double think where they can reach me. I'm there where you usually uh, looking for someone. I'm there. <laughs> Perfect. And what's one tool that you can't, you know, live without yourself to make your business better? What's one thing you go to every single day that you that you would say you rely on? I've emails unfortunately yeah. it's still emails yeah 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 i do think that the future of emails is moving more to to issue tracking softwares whatever you call it jira mm. uh, fresh desk whatever you prefer but i think yeah. email the noise of email is too high especially since, since covid people uh, don't talk to each other so even more emails it was already yeah. bad enough uh, it's a big, big noise. Uh, remember when we were kids and we registered our first email address? We were like, "Oh, I get an email." Oh, okay, yes. it's not anymore. It's almost like oh, I read the average uh, average office employee gets 120 emails a day. That's crazy. So I think uh, the mm-hmm. future, and you cannot really track your email. So once you s- send an email, you have to have a system to follow up whether you actually received a reply or not. And in my life, it's 
it's getting even more harder because then there is a request from the client. Not I cannot always reply it because there is someone else working on it, so I have to catch. And then did I get the reply back? Is it so whatsoever? So I think the future of this will be uh, will be all these issue tracking softwares. Mm. Do you use a CRM? No, not yet. I have always limited number of clients I am working at at the moment. Yeah. Uh, so not really a need for a CRM per se. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. For my own um, tracking, actually, I still use Trello, to be honest. I mean, that's a nice tool. I, I know I yeah. there are new ones of always coming up, but uh, Trello, I found it very easy because it's easy to train people. In most of the cases, I don't even have to train anyone because most of the people do know it. If not, then it's, it's just very easy to get them up to speed and work with it. Yeah, it makes total sense. I mean, we have clients where we've either implemented uh, a ticket tracking system to replace their email or we've helped them to improve how they use their ticketing system. So I agree with you. I think we're transitioning to a place where people are just sick of emails, right? That's why Slack is doing so well. That's why Loom is doing so well. You know, um, that's why these project management tools are implementing different tracking systems so we can be more, you know, um, intentional about the work that we're doing who's actually doing it, who's in charge of responding. So I would definitely agree with you there. Um, I, I do want to talk more about your YouTube. We, we, we touched on it briefly. You said you don't do a lot of traditional marketing, but you know, off, off, uh, off air, you were saying that the videos and the marketing in itself is a process. So can you walk us through that process a little bit, you know, how you've managed to, I don't know, grow your, your channel and what it looks like to get your content out? I'm not a YouTuber, absolutely not. I actually started my YouTube channel in the beginning for fun. I had this interview series with entrepreneurs and it was not okay. too successful. I had like 10 views per video and I'm pretty sure five was from my mother. So that's not an amazing result. Okay. Uh, and then I created a process for a client for YouTube. And I was like, hey, hmm, it's, it's really plug and play. So let's just do it for my own channel. And then I ended mm. up having videos with 10,000 views and uh, 20,000 of views. And then I reached the 1,000 subscriber level. And it's okay. I mean, I don't focus too much on it. But if I did, it's, and it's not much of a work. So I designed the process because... For businesses, video is important. They don't need a YouTube channel because they want to share uh, crazy kitten videos to monetize and earn from this. They want to have a channel, as I mentioned in the beginning, to establish mm -hmm. trust and authority. To I think YouTube is the new generation TV commercials. When a consumer is, your ideal client is searching YouTube, they are in a very relaxed phase. You are literally sitting in their lap. And if you are able to create short videos which are solving their problems, then yeah. they are on the hook. They start trust you, they know your face, they know the face of your colleagues and they just want to work with you. I had a client who was very cute, he came to me and he booked a consultation with me and he was like, I can't imagine, I am so happy I'm talking to you because you are such a star. And I was like, no, I am absolutely not. I just have a few videos. But it was very nice and it really showed the power. It was not like that, I'm not sure your prices is too high, you know, this kind of thing. No, mm. it was like, oh my God, I'm able to work with you. That's a different attitude and that's the kind of client someone wants. So that's why I think YouTube is important. But having a YouTube channel is incredible amount of work if you don't get help. Because there you have to check the keywords, you have to make sure that there is a nice video which is edited, which might be subtitled. And then if you're just posting the best videos, it's still not bringing in the views. It's not coming on its own. And that's mm. the magic of, of my, uh, my process, what I am using on my own YouTube channel, but mostly for clients, is that we have a team 
who basically shares the hack out of the video to awesome to attract eyeballs on your channel. That's how we get the views. Uh, by this sharing system and uh, also having micro-influencers to sharing the links whatsoever. So uh, it's really efficient and it really makes sure that the, the, the company can have a YouTube channel which has views and also the other part of the process is important that they don't have to invest too much time of creating of right. the videos. If they have these talking head videos like I have, it's usually I would say like maybe half a day or five, six hours in a month to invest in to have a channel running. So basically less than one working day a month, if they can uh, give it to that, then, then they ha can have a running channel. If they want animation kind of videos, then it's even less of the time. Okay. I I'd love to have another conversation with you about YouTube specifically. I mean, uh, when was it? January 21, I want to say. So not that long ago, yeah, um, I started a YouTube channel and so it's called Asana Solutions. Um, it's all about Asana and how to use the tool. And we, we post, you know, videos like the one that we're recording today um, mm -hmm. that, that go on the, the channel as well. And I think, um, I feel like a lot of people fall into this trap where like we have a process. We have the recording, the post-production, you know, we create the artwork, you know, for promoting on social media and then it goes out and, it, and it's all perfect and it's great. Um, but personally, I've struggled with like keeping consistent with those videos mm -hmm. because the, the how-to videos do really well. There's a bit of talking head and then I'm doing demos on this screen and it just, it takes time right they they do really well when they when they get put out um but you know it takes time to do it there's the editing and you know making sure that everything's synced up and so how have you created that you know that consistency and how do you you know you know help your customers if you're recommending you know videos for them to make sure they're staying you know um in a place where they're delivering consistent material over and over again we have a great team behind it, so it's, it's an outsourced process. And when you don't have okay. to spend too much time, then you are more likely to start it. Uh, mm -hmm. We, in the beginning, ask for ideas. So what would you like to talk about? What are your topics? Then we do a research. Even before creating any video, we check whether a topic works. For example, Trello. I, th I was thinking about that it would make sense for me to create content on Trello. I checked it and I didn't find actually any keywords that would that would work. So there was a lot of competition mm -hmm. on, on content uh, with Trello. So I totally rejected the topic, for example. But in other cases also we do this Got checking. It. And then we do the scripting. So you don't have to think about it. We use teleprompter or we offer you to use, uh, suggest you to use teleprompter and then you have the script. So it's even easier for you to, to create the videos. And then we have the editing process. So once you took a deep breath and recorded a few videos, then we can go to the, the editing. I also like to batch the tasks, so not creating one mm. video once in a while, but like having one dedicated day or one dedicated time when you do a month of content, and then we can work with it. And then new channels, I never allow to start a new channel unless you have at least uh, four or five videos already ready, because then you that. have a little bit of a buffer zone. And I you love can that. Yeah. maintain the consistency once in a week. It's so true. I mean, when, when I started it, just to wrap this thought up, um, I, I, I did exactly that. There were five videos that I've been thinking I need to do these, but I, I made the mistake of posting them all at the same time. 
And so Ouch. like I, I had those five videos up there. They did okay. Um, you can go back and look at them if you want. But um, I think it was like two months before I posted the next one, right? Like uh-huh. I had exerted all this energy into it. So not a great process. Mm-hmm. And thankfully it's evolved since then, um, which leads me into my next question. Um, what, what does process improvement look like for you? How often are you reviewing your processes or recommending to your, your clients that they review and improve their processes? At least half a year. That's what I recommend. Yeah. And then depending on the schedule I work with the client, sometimes clients, of course, disappear. It's not like that I stay with every client till, till eternity. Uh, but if, if I am still around, then, then we look at the processes. And, you know, when an issue comes up, it makes sense to look at it again. Of course, you solve the issue, you stop the bleeding, make sure that this mistake is never happening again. Is there anything mm-hmm. else? Are we still doing it? Is that really still working or did we change it? Because sometimes, you know, people when working with the process, they realize that it's not correct, they change it, but not document it. So then yeah. we can have an honest chat if it is still right. okay or not. And then without documenting it, I mean, we're making the same mistakes over and over again, potentially. So, um, speaking of mistakes, if you had to think of, you know, one thing or communicate one thing to your customers, to potential customers, to owners of businesses, when it comes to systems and processes or process improvement, what is one thing you think they're either overlooking or not considering when it comes to improving their systems? Specifically about improving processes, because firstly, I would say just do it. So at least have something written down, at least have yeah. an idea what you should have, what you mm-hmm. are doing. It. I mean, I know it's an obvious question, but what are you doing? And also the most mm-hmm. important point. Yeah, that's, that's a good point for improvement, actually. How do you earn your money? And mm-hmm. how can you make the process of having an input until having the output, which is the money you earn? how you can improve it and make it as simple as possible. And if you can like automate the whole story, that's a cash generator machine. And please let me know why one of these. Yeah. So like think of, because a business is, is meant to generate revenue, otherwise it wouldn't be a business. So look right. at the point where, look at the processes where you are earning the money and make it as simple as possible. That's so good. I wrote that down. How do you earn your money? All of that. And, and one thing you said earlier, I wrote down as well as a takeaway, the death of a business is not taking action. With your permission, I'm going to take that. I'm going to use it. I'll credit you. But I, I love that you said so. You, you shared so many amazing <laughs> things. Thank you so much. Um, as we're signing off here, what, where are, can people you know, um, find you online? Should they be going to YouTube, LinkedIn, your website? Where are you hanging out and uh, what resources can we, pro- can we provide? Uh, yeah, let's uh, ch- uh, let's meet on YouTube. Uh, you should see my face on YouTube too. Although my pro- my YouTube channel is not as consistent as it should be. <laughs> Guilty on that. And LinkedIn, sure. Uh, look at look for my name, Sofia Banyai. And my processes. I have a website which you can find. It it looks like if it was a Spanish website, ending with an okay. S, but it's just a joke. So the company is my processes, mm. and you can find it myprocess.es. So you just put uh, it before the got yes, it. And okay. then you find and, my website. <laughs> and then it's the same for YouTube, right? Just search, you yes. know, myprocess.es. Perfect. My processes. Got it. Amazing. Well, thank you so much. Um, I really enjoyed this conversation today. And I'm definitely going to connect with you to chat more about YouTube. Appreciate your time. Thank you so much, Mark. It was really fun. 
thanks for listening to the In Systems We Trust podcast with Marquis Murray. If you liked what you heard today, hit subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Don't forget to rate the episode and share it with a friend. Head over to thinkditto.com to learn more about how the team at Ditto can help your business scale by implementing the systems and processes needed to get you there.